Good morning. Welcome to the IFAB Morning Brief. Sorry, the, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty. How are we doing? A Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. Uh, and I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW and Aidan McDonald at Aidan C. McDonald. Gentlemen, how are we? It's the morning after Derby Day. We'll get to that, won't we? But first yeah. and foremost, how are you doing? Not bad, I not 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 bad, Tony. I think that probably will <laughs> go that's as far as I'll go just now. Aidan? Yeah, I fall in the same camp as Sean. No bad. No bad. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, as I say, we'll discuss all matters, Rangers versus Celtic in a second. But just draw your attention to the strap line running along the bottom. We've still got the festive deal going. Merry Christmas deal. Subscribe to the Celtic Way and support top quality journalism. And you can have one of two deals. If you hit the button, you have a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the web, or you can have 25% off the yearly price, which takes that down to £26. And if you can join us, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Got a lot of stuff on the website today, Sean, after yesterday. People calling it a four-goal thriller. People <laughs> calling it a... Even the manager said it was a, a cracking game of football. Don't know if you subscribe to that, Sean. But on the website, certainly today, we've got man-by-man -man ratings. We've got player ver uh, my verdict. We've got a first look at Alistair Johnson. We've got five takeaways mm -hmm. from the game. Lots of stuff, interesting stuff. We've got all the Q&As up there. So if you want to have a look on the website, you'll see it all dissected. But we're going to dissect it right now, Sean. Okay, go on, Sean. Your thoughts? Eh, uh, what we're starting with then uh, was I mean the result. Uh we'll start we'll with the result. Yeah. Um listen, I hate the cliche, but it was a game of two halves, eh? Um <laughs> first one, Celtic began really quite well, I thought, intense, got the goal from pressurising their back line, plus Alfredo Morelos being in an unfamiliar place in the pitch and messing up a pass. It was very tempted to put the wee assist thing for, for Morelos on the, the, the website up uh, update at half time, but Maida still had a lot to do after that, I thought, and, and what a yeah. finish it was. But Rangers finished the first half with a bit of confidence. I think we all said it in the group chat at the time that Joe Hart's error gave them a wee bit yeah. of momentum, gave the, gave their fans a wee bit of a voice. Well, um, and because they scored so quickly in the second half, it changed the complexion of the game. Uh, that said, to be 2-1 down going into the last couple of minutes and then to get a 2-2 draw to essentially ensure nothing has changed despite all of what went on and what we'll come to, I think it's ultimately a good point. A good point in the end, isn't it? Yeah, good point. Uh, Aiden, no damage done really. Celtic off, say off form, but you know, not a normal performance from Celtic. Eh? Yeah, I think really after about the thirtieth minute, it was. It's not unfair to say it was quite a, almost a poor performance from Celtic. Only finishing a game with two shots on target. I don't think there'll be many games like that under Ange Postecoglou. Maybe that St. Martin game earlier this season. But apart from that, I think you would struggle even other games they've lost that they've they had they created so little and Tinga tested the opposition goalkeeper so little as well. Overall, it has a good point, just the way the game went. And the fact is that you're still nine points clear, so your league's kinda not really got a blemish against it. And it's one less game down between now and the end of the season. But I, I think there was uh, <laughs> there was disappointments as well throughout the ninety minutes. But overall, yeah, good point given the circumstances. Robert Gibson succinctly overall Celtic were rubbish and they still couldn't put them away. You agree with that, Sean? I do I agree with that. I think that's a fair point because I don't think. Um, I mean, we'll come on. To the, we're coming on to the performance basically by by throwing that one up. Um, I don't think Post Ange Postecoglou was wrong when he suggested that Celtic were slacker than usual. Um, yeah. Robert's right that Celtic were pretty rubbish. I think for, by their own high standards, obviously um, they still had around sixty percent possession. They had 82% pass completion, which is, I think, I, I, from what I've looked at today, statistically their worst of the season in competitive games. Not by much, but I'm including the Champions League games in that, where they were well beaten. They still passed the ball better, eh, or more accurately. Um, so I, I think we'll come on to, in, in, to individual performers, but I do think Robert's got a point, and I think Ashford Chicago didn't shy away from the fact that they weren't, they, they, didn't, they didn't play that well. Eh, but nonetheless, they still managed to get the draw at the end of it. <laughs> Now, speaking of the manager, Aidan, and we don't like to have a pop at the manager, but 
we'll say this. Do you think he played the right team, the right starting eleven? Yeah, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but I, I, I do think he made a couple of maybe errors with his starting XI. I would have had Aaron Moyan. I'm not just yeah, saying that. Say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I would have liked to have seen Aaron Moyan. I just thought he'd been doing quite well. And I, I know I would have had Jota in as well. Now, I know Jota, we know he was unwell before the Hibs game, so it's probably not unfair to say that he's been you know, part of this overall bug that Ange mentioned was going through the camp. But when he came on, he had those two in particular added such a spark. Uh, maybe you could say with Moy, maybe being able to do a whole ninety minutes at, at sort of that intensity. I don't know, but I still think he could have put forward a good 65, 70 minutes anyway. So I, I think not playing those two was a mistake personally. Just when you seen what they were able to contribute before today, and then and before yesterday, sorry, and then unlocking that small role they had yesterday. I wonder if he will look back and go, maybe I should have played them. But I understand it is easy to say that in hindsight. On the other yeah. hand, Tony, though, yeah. the, 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 the guys that Aidan's just mentioned there are the reason that the equaliser came about. Yeah, we were talking so, about it. And on, on, another, and on the flip side, does that not mean he got his subs right? Because I do think there's a debate. Uh, Alistair Johnston starting was a surprise somewhat. Um, I think James Forrest starting was probably a bigger surprise. Yep. Um, I thought Alistair Johnston, by the way, if you've read my instant reaction thing, I'm trying to put it up, I think he did really, really well um, in his debut. Uh, I, I thought there's a lot to work with physically and technically. Um, no, for, his game, for his first game, I think he did he did really quite well. A um, couple of... Maybe taking too long on the ball a couple of times uh, and you could argue with the goal Kent comes in from his side although I do think he got there he just he just missed the block I think is is uh, is the thing with that and also Jaranovic um, Big block to miss though Sean I, 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 I thought missed the same block as well he Yeah was, yeah uh, I thought Alistair uh, Johnson was competent you know uh, lots of people were saying that they were that he was their man in the match and stuff I'm, I'm not going to get carried uh, away the boy had a decent uh, I'll put it this way, I think in the, the, the kind of comparison okay. of Juranovic getting thrown in to a derby for his first game, I think Johnston had a better game than Juranovic did in his first yeah, game, yeah, um, I, I even though I think the but, same argument was being made at the time that Juranovic was a standout in that game, I just I didn't see it, I think, in context mm. for the fact it was his first game yeah. was, was the thing, and I think that's probably true of this one as well. Uh, but I think there's plenty to work with. I think you saw no, no, physicality, a kind of passion. Uh, I think you you saw that, and he, he also picked a couple of decent passes as well at certain points. I, I thought he was confident. He was okay. I'm not going to go overboard. I want to see more of him, but uh-huh. I still maintain that he was nowhere near Kent for the goal. And I mean, it was right at the start of the second half. The one thing yeah. you don't want to do is lose a goal at the start of the second half. And I felt he was a wee bit culpable for that. So that, that's mm-hmm. just my own. I still think it was the... I mean, there is no getting away from the fact he checked him from that wing. And he yeah. actually let him go in the first half as well when it led to a shot, but it didn't yeah. obviously lead to a goal or anything. Sure. Um, so that is a, that that was a concern. But you know, for that for that goal, the, the sequence of play, ultimately I, I kept coming back to um, Juranovic's poor position and leading to yeah. him caught out as a defence. Because as I say, Carter Vickers got there but didn't quite get there either. Um, for the block, and I think a lot of that was to do with Juranovic getting done on the opposite side, which will also come to when we talk about the penalty decisions later and what led to, yes. what led to the Rangers penalty. But um, to come back to your point or your question um, about Angie, Angie's kind of culpability for it, I, I do think that there's there's legitimate questions that you can ask um, about his team selection. Uh, so, what Perhaps the biggest one, and I'm going to put up this from Chilpil, which was losing Greg Taylor was the catalyst, right? We've said about Joe Hart making that mistake, giving Rangers momentum, which I still think is the case. But missing Greg Taylor was a big, big, big deal. Um, Especially given the level of performance that Josip Juranovic put in when he came on in that position. It it was not even mediocre. It was just unacceptable. It was mad. Uh, it was a bad performance. Um, whether he had the, the bug or whether he... I mean, Ange Postacoglu said he wasn't 100%. But if, you, if you're if you on the bench, Tony, the presumption is that you're fit to play some yes. part. Maybe he maybe didn't expect to play 60, but he was poor in the first half as well. So yeah. um, I think Taylor coming off really affected that game. 
and Juranovic coming on at left back. It was, I don't know about you, but it was unsurprising, I suppose, but it still must say something about maybe the trust that Hans Postecoglou has in Alexandro Bernabe. I was just about to say that, yeah. I mean, Aidan not bringing on the natural left back, you know, in, in, in Burnaby, what does that say about the trust in, that Ange has in him? And I uh, I was surprised to see him put Juranovic there. And then Juranovic's display was, as Sean said, unacceptable. I just thought it was utterly woeful, pitiful, you know. And uh, you can say what you like about Juranovic, but you have to be better than that. He was just utterly erratic. I think just firstly, in terms of Burnaby, it obviously shows that the manager doesn't think he's ready for that level. Uh, I don't think he featured that at all in, in the Champions League, or if he did, it was very limited, wasn't it? So yeah. he must think that the sort of higher levels, he, he, he's not ready for it simply because he, he's putting on a guy ahead of him who has been away, not been involved with Celtic. I know he's been away playing in the World Cup, but he also doesn't play that position usually, and he's getting put on ahead of him. So it kind of shows to me that doesn't mean that Burnaby's done it at Celtic or anything dramatic mm. like that, but it just shows you right now the manager must not think he's ready to be put on in high, a high-pressure environment like that. Whether or not it would have been different if Taylor had been you know, out the last couple of games, I, I don't know if they might have thought, right, maybe I do need to start him, but in terms of the way it planned out, it, it, to me it looks like that he, he doesn't think he's ready. In terms of Juranovic, yeah, it was a really, really poor performance. There's nothing you can really say to defend it. It was... For that, it just for, for both goals, really, there was things he did that, that weren't great. And even outside these mistakes that led to the goals, it was also just his passing was so poor. The amount of times he got the ball to either like, try and go by somebody and he just kind of lost control or kicked it out. Mm-hmm. Was that awesome? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really poor and it was disappointing. I know the manager said he wasn't 100%, but I still think he could play a wee bit better on that. <laughs> you know, going a bit. And yeah, it was just... Uh, Disastrous performance from Juranovic, really, to be honest. On the Burnaby thing, Tony, I think, the, to be fair to him in the Champions League, Taylor was fit. So he was never, I don't think he was no. ever really in contention to, to start. But it's a similar situation with my logic with uh, when when there were no right backs the other, the other week. And I know Hatati came in, done really, really well, got man of the match, two goals. So th- there is no argument there that Ange made the right call. But when I was putting forward the logic that if not, when there are no right backs, when is a young right back going to get the chance? Then when there is. No other left backs. When is Burnaby going to get the chance? And he still went to the the half fit mm-hmm. right back. So I do think it says a lot. Aiden's probably right that if Taylor got injured maybe two games ago, Burnaby might have played both games and then he would have started this game. Yeah. But nonetheless, in a vacuum, you've got a left back in the bench and you don't you don't put him on. Whether the guy who you're putting on has played there before, which he has, uh, is almost by the by because you would rather you he basically went for the half fit experience over the. The, the the natural fit rookie and I, I don't yeah. don't want to go make too much of it but I still think it does say something. Yeah. Now he wasn't alone, Juranovic. I also thought O'Reilly was pretty poor as well. And, aye, and, aye. Uh, just didn't it's not been happening for O'Reilly the past few games since we've mm. kind of come back after the World Cup break. I don't know if you agree with that gentleman, but his contribution again yesterday was poor. He's I still, I don't think, as I said the last couple of days, I don't think he's been poor, like actively poor the way some people have been making out. Although I do think he was subpar yesterday. I must admit, uh, even his pressing stats, even his off-ball stuff, which is usually there, even if he's not getting a key pass and all that kind of stuff, that's not really up there um, from yesterday either. Which I think says a lot that it just wasn't wasn't really getting himself imposed on that game. Uh, I would argue the toss about that for the previous three games when he's been getting criticism. Uh, but certainly yesterday, I have I've got no complaints about the about the, the kind of criticism of O'Reilly. I'm going to put Beach Boys up uh, here, Tony. I don't know, I can't remember how this changes with your ratings. Uh, but he basically says the only ones he thinks would deserve a pass mark were Johnston, Carter Vickers, Callum McGregor, Rayo Hatate, and Dyson Maida. That's um, funny. That's uh, all of them that, got more than the a five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because I, I never had a star man. I think the most end we got was a seven. So Hatate was it? Hatate gets seven. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Cameron Carter-Vickers sorry. and I think Cal Mack gets seven as well uh, Maida and Johnston both got sixes to my knowledge uh, because I just thought it was a, as you say, that's a, a below par, a very below par performance from Celtic but they hung in there and got the point uh, I still thought Cal Mack tried to drive the team forward, I think he needed a couple of more players to step up to the plate 
but I still felt that I still felt safe with him uh, in that in that role and he, he was trying, you know, and it, and it got better. It was no, noticeable it got better when Moy came on mm. because Moy was actually very good when he came on. All three mm. uh, substitutes, as you said, Sean, mm. they were all involved in the goal, the equalising goal. The argument for they should have been brought on sooner. It's the manager's call, but he's called it right in the end up because Celtic never lost any ground in the title race. So I like, and I, I thought Jota looked as if he wanted to create something, do something. Jackie Marcus was putting himself about, which was maybe missing as well. So I think from that sense that Celtic got what they wanted from it with the substitutions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought Hatati had a brilliant run in the second half and squared it across the box, eh? Mm-hmm. Along the byline when, and, you know, no takers. He, w- he wiggled. These are these are significant moments, you know. Some somebody's there for a tapping, Aiden, you know, or they, or they should have been. Yeah, that that did feel like a bit of a kind of missed opportunity. It was really good work from Hitati, and you would have hoped there'd have been somebody sort of gambling to try and get on the end of it, particularly after the manager's comments a few games ago about yeah. inputs in the box. Then we have seen in the sort of last couple of games goals coming from that sort of Tactic. So yeah, I think just when we were mentioning uh, goals, I don't want to skip too far ahead or anything, but just uh, it was actually good to see Kyogo uh, get his goal against Rangers. Just I know he scored a lot of big goals, but I just thought that was another one. To, uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much. You can still play well in derby games, even if you've not scored, but I just think when you're a striker, that was probably a good sort of thing to get off from him to get off his chest, sorry, just in terms of Find the back of the net. It was another game. To get a Morelos type tag, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, even if, like, don't get me wrong, if you could have a season, you score like 40 goals. If you don't score a goal against Rangers, doesn't mean you've had a bad season. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it was just good for him to get that off his chest. And it was maybe another game, it was quite quiet, maybe really somewhat of the Hibs game. But when, and I know he had, had a bit of a chance in the first half when the ball got played across and he kind of scuffed at it. But it was another one where when his main opportunity did come, he scored. So. Shawnee showed ice in his veins. Yeah. To, to put that way, because that's a difficult chance because there was people on the line, but he got it hard and high into the river mm. of the net, made sure that it, it was going in, you know, because it falls to you, you've got one one shot at it. Mm-hmm. Many players and you see it going over the bar quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, I was going to say, many players would have played over the bar, panicking, or, mm-hmm. you know, he, I know I did and, well. and that's the only chance he had in the game. And he was clinical, mm-hmm. which is which pleased me greatly, you know, because he stuck, and which is why he was kept on the park. Yep, I the both of them up front. Yeah, uh, by the end, front, session, four, two, four, by the end, everybody yeah. just kind of piling, piling forward. Um, aye, uh, I think in terms of individuals, I think Kyogo took his goal well. I agree with Aidan. I think it was quiet apart from that. Done a power of running, power of pressing, but Maida for me, uh, I thought gave them problems again. Took his goal really well, as I said. Uh, get a comment here from Jason Lee on a positive note. Maida seemed unstoppable at times. I agree with that. I think he gave James Tavernier an awful time again on the other uh, on on the left flank. He was what I can I say in my predicted 11s was from a few months ago that he was custom built for Derby Day. Yeah. I just think that intensity suits him. He also managed to get himself into a direct flat race with Fashion Sakala and beat him at one point, um, which was quite impressive. Um, so I, I think Maida was 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 good. I think uh, he. he, he Lends a lot to the team whether he scores or not, but he did score on this occasion. He took it exceptionally well. Um, I think Alistair Johnston, as I said, Aaron Moy, we've talked about when he came on. I thought maybe the game would be too fast for him, but he adjusted and I thought he added something when he was there, played a hand in the goal. Uh, so I, I think who else? Carter Vickers, you mentioned him, unbeaten in the air again, Tony, physically imposing, a couple of really big blocks in there as well. Uh, I think without singling anybody else out, just calling it a team thing here. Uh, you said Celtic, well, you said Kyogo, that was his only chance. That was reflective of Celtic in general, I think. Um, they created eight shots, which is not a lot for Celtic at all. Uh, four were in the box, right, which is half of them, but still four were in the box. Rangers said 12 in the box. Mm. Um, 15 shots, including that penalty, which sure, you maybe don't count, it's not from open play. But it does tell you that Celtic were off it a wee bit when it came to yeah, getting yeah. that last wee bit of creativity um, yet to put in that subpar performance because it was a subpar performance at Ibrox with a majority partisan crowd 
trailing 2-1 with a couple of minutes left and still find a way to draw and keep the status quo at the top. It's still kind of laudable in a way, even though I do agree um, that, well, I'm going to put it to you just to bring it back to us before we move on to officiating. Uh, Aidan, Sean Malloy saying Ange himself has questions to answer. How far do you do you consider Ange Postacoglu's kind of team selection or tactics responsible for Celtic not being able to hold on to their lead and then get the win? I think uh, maybe his team selection is a, is a wee bit responsible. In terms of the tactics, I wouldn't really want to say too much on that just because the sort of style of play has been so effective since coming. I don't think it was really anything to do with that, but in terms of the this team selection, maybe slightly, but then uh, I know it's maybe something a bit of a get-out cause to say, but really the players that were still on the pitch, there was still plenty of quality there uh, that really should have been able to put up a bit of a better fight, I would say, personally, in that game. I know, I know they get the draw in the end, but there was a large spells where they, where they fell very much out of that tie, or out of that fixture, I should say, or even though at the worst it got, it was only 2-1. There was times that it felt that Rangers were just kind of swanning up the park. I know they might not have peppered Joe Hart with a lot of saves, with a lot of attempts, sorry. He mm-hmm. had to make saves for, but there was a few times I just felt like, I think there was a couple of times Tillman, he was just sort of running almost unchallenged. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit yeah, the team selection probably didn't help, and we've already touched on, maybe Moy should have been in there. Jota, if he was okay, which given he came on and contributed, you'd assume he was. Obviously, the, the, the Taylor one going off, Iranovic coming on, that was forced, really. Uh, you couldn't really do anything about that. But I, I would say the, the team selection did play a part, but it's not something you can use as an excuse because it was just subpar, really. The players should have been able to... I don't want to accuse them of not putting any effort, but they should have been able to put in a, bit, a better performance than that, I think. Tony, do you agree with that? And also... Can I get away with the fact that Ange Postecoglou does never he never uses it as an excuse? But that's a couple of weeks in a row now. The sickness bug's been mentioned as well. Yeah, um, I mean he spoke about uh, yeah he spoke about Jota having a stomach mm-hmm. bug, didn't he? And then he mentioned it prior to the game yesterday, didn't mm-hmm. he? Said that there had been a flu yeah. bug, but he never mentioned the individuals that had uh, that were suffering from symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if that is the case, and it's. Uh, it's probably an extenuating circumstance for the below-par performance from some of them if they were affected when they were still asked to go and do a job. I think the the team selection, when when everybody saw the starting eleven, nobody would have called that starting eleven, mm. and it kind of baffled people. But after half an hour, I think you're thinking they're actually doing very well. I mean, first half an hour, Celtic passed the ball really, really well. And then from the moment Joe Hart, gave Rangers encouragement. They took a lot of uh, strength and nourishment from that encouragement. And and I, I think the kind of the, the, the scales tilted for me after that mm-hmm. moment. I mean, you've seen me talk about it in the group chat, but it was a big moment in the game because Celtic up until that point were really, really comfortable. And, you know, there's Kukabara saying the selection of Forest. Yeah, the selection of Forest came, but I don't know if Abada or Jota were those affected. Well, Jota had a stomach bug, didn't he? He, he, he mm-hmm. mentioned him. So maybe he didn't think he was capable of playing in the full game, which he clearly didn't. But when he came on, he maybe thought, I'll, I'll bring him on if I have to, mm-hmm. to make a difference. But he certainly looked in the mood when he came on. A badder not starting was maybe a surprise in front of Forrest, the way he's been playing. But when Andrew was asked about Forrest starting, he said it was his recent forum that put him in. So he, he kind of countered those arguments. I, you know, I, as I said, he, hindsight's a great thing. It's not the team you or I would have put out, but uh-huh. he's the manager for a reason. And if you say the three substitutes all combined or had a hand in the the goal that uh-huh. made sure there was no damage inflicted in your title and in, in the title race or title challenge. So I think I think you can weigh that up, can't you? Aye. There's a few comments here, and it's kind of split between whether it was the team selection from the start or whether it was not changing it quick enough. Now, I, I would say it's quite hard to criticise him not changing it quick enough because he had to use a sub so early that was unexpected. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I'm going to put John John Pollockis' comment up here, in my opinion, for what it's worth. I think Anne should have brought Jota and Yakimakis on earlier. What do you think, guys? Again, I think it's hard to criticise when he put them on because when he did put them on, they, they helped get the equaliser. It did yeah. work when he put them on. So I think it's quite hard to say, well, you done it, you done it at the wrong time. Whether there's an argument that maybe Jota in particular out of those two, Abada maybe as well, should have started is a different argument. 
Um, but certainly, I, I think it's quite hard to say that he put them on at the wrong time when the time that he put them on at led to the equaliser. So, uh, I don't know what you think, Tony. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, they got what they wanted in the end, didn't they? They got a draw from a situation that was looking particularly, well, I would say particularly hopeless, but I wrote in my verdict that even with two minutes to go, I don't think it was a Celtic supporter out there thinking that they wouldn't create one more chance. Mm. The question of taking it, and the and then, then obviously the, the injury time, which he thought that there would be quite a lot added on for uh, obviously what we're going to talk about next. But I think the Celtic supporters always had that. I mean, I, I I watched it and I thought Celtic will create one more chance. And even in commentary, when uh, when Celtic scored, Andy Walker said, "Look at Kyogo. He ran into the net, grabbed the ball, and Andy Walker was saying." He wants a winner, and 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 I, I, I think I put in the group chat a winner question mark Hi. because when I heard they had seven minutes, I thought they might go hell for leather uh, with Jota and George Sakamakis on. Turns out they never really created any chances after that, did they? But I never lost hope in the fact that they would get one opportunity. Just a question of taking it, and I thought they could, despite playing so poorly, I still thought that Celtic could salvage something, even though. It was pointing towards a Rangers win by the time the clock cut about the 78th minute, but mm-hmm. I never ever lost hope that they would get one opportunity. So I, I, I it kind of played out in the end the way it was playing out in my mind that they would get something from it. Uh, Tony, I'm going to put this up, just a couple of comments on Alistair Johnston again before we move on, because he did yeah. make his debut. Uh, my hash saying Johnston looks a better crosser than Yaranovic and quicker than Ralston. He reckons already that he looks as if he's going to be better than Yaranovic. Quite early to say that, Tony. You can't yeah. really, you can't really tell how someone's going to properly adjust. But as I say, I thought, I thought, I think he did well. I think he did well enough. Um, Andrew Galea making this point, which I must admit I did kind of notice myself, but I put it down to not so much his unwillingness to invert as the fact that it was a game in which you tend to find that the fullbacks end up overlapping a wee bit more. Um, in general, uh, Andrew Galea saying Johnston played as a regular fullback, didn't invert and get involved in midfield. Uh, any he's got anything to add about about that, about the way that he maybe he did or did not adapt to um, to the way that they were wanting to play. Yeah, I, I think I, I can understand. Firstly, given that it's his sort of first competitive game debut, that sort of atmosphere, but he, he didn't look sort of overwhelmed with that way. But I could understand if. Slightly, he was, he was kind of just maybe concentrating and just trying not to make a mistake, which could have maybe led to him not always playing the inverted role. But I think what you touched on there, Sean, is a good point that in that sort of fixture, or in the Celtic Rangers fixture, particularly the games at Ibrox, players have maybe been seen to not be inverting as much as they usually would, particularly domestically against other teams at home, just because of the sort of nature of the game. I, I have no doubt that Johnson, I'm sure, will be able to uh, adapt to that. I, I kind of don't think the manager would have brought him in if he didn't see those aspects in his game that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, help him be able to sort of become an inverted fullback. It, that's not really a worry for me. Uh, maybe if it's something you'd if it's like two or three months down the line and he's still not playing as an inverted fullback, then I'd be more concerned about it. But mm-hmm. in terms of yesterday, I, I could see at times he wasn't doing it when maybe you would hope that a player would always became used to a player doing it, but it's not something I'm particularly worried about long term at the moment. There was a, a point in the second half where I, I couldn't quite tell if it was a bad or Johnston or both, but uh, Callum McGregor turned into trouble and lost the ball. I think it was when he, he took his uh, took it. Well, it was actually Starfield booked, wasn't it? When the, the both of them came together with, with the Rangers players, but he turned back into trouble because he had initially turned and looked out to the right to expecting one or both of them to have shown for the ball. And then after it, he was, let's just say, not happy <laughs> that that, uh, that there was no option there and he had to turn back into trouble. I'm sure it was that, that run-up play. But um, I, I just thought I'd put that up about Alistair Johnston because I did, I must admit, Andrew's got a point that he didn't invert quite as much as, as expected. But then I do think a lot of that was down to the way that the game was panning out rather than an unwillingness of his to do it more than anything else. But I wanted to point that out because he's... His action map and stuff, I'll even put it up on Twitter for you. His action map, his pass map and stuff, he's there sometimes, but certainly not as much as you would probably expect. Um, well, half an hour, Tony. I was going to say, we've gone half an hour and uh, there's no disguising. We have to we have to come to it, don't we? 
Yep. VAR, penalties, gentlemen, one one given, one not. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts, please. Sean, mm. you know what you're going to do. Flick it up. Come on. Ah, well, right. Hold on. We'll take your Rangers one first because that was the first one, right? Okay. Um, I think it was a penalty. Um, the, the, the Rangers one, can I just say again that like the first goal, it comes from Sakala getting the better of Juranovic in a one-on-one -on -one directly. Yep. Um, somebody left a comment, I kind of find it now, saying that Juranovic's defensive performance against Sakala made him look like Kylian Mbappe, um, <laughs> which I don't necessarily disagree with because he it, it, it just totally had the beating of him. Um, there's a few times in the second half they were clearly targeting Juranovic with long balls. Yeah, yeah. He lets it bounce, he doesn't know what to do with it. If Sakala gets it, he's not going to be he's, he's, he's not going to be able to take it off from that kind of thing. And the, the first goal came from that. Uh, came from Sakala beating him. The second goal, the penalty incident, came from that as well. He goes right past Juranovic, meaning that Starfield feels he has to come across to cover. He then goes to the ground rather than jockeying him. I think he thinks he's going to shoot. Sakala checks back, still in possession of the ball. Starfield slides right through his standing foot that's, that's coming down to check back, obviously. So to me, I, I think it was a, a penalty for careless play rather than reckless play, obviously, because he was going for the ball and it was no booking. and So it wasn't reckless, it was just careless. Um, but I, I think it was a penalty. I don't know if either of you disagree. but I don't know. I, I think he could have checked it to see what he and I I thought it was clumsy in the extreme from Starfield. Uh, myself and Adrian were speaking up here and you know, we've got that old uh, adage of you give the referee a decision to make and he made a decision, yeah. didn't he? And he, he pointed straight to the spot on what he, he thought he saw it was a trailing leg catching uh, coming into Sakala. contact with Sakala you know? so I just thought it was very clumsy the way he dived in mm -hmm. and uh, I think he could maybe have looked at the monitor just to reaffirm what he thought he saw, but he was convinced that that's what happened. I mean, there well, is I mean the VAR check obviously says to him, "I, you saw what you think you saw." He did. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. But I, I think, I think it was a penalty. Did you? Know, you, um, you get any doubt, or you, you can? I, I think it was a penalty. To be honest, I think it was rash from Starfield, and he has sort of he's, he's taken him down. He's, he's made contact with his foot. Not really got any of the ball. I know we. I think we mentioned it uh, off air that. The reason he's in that position, having to really make that challenge, is because Juranovic is so poor for that goal. He's been probably beaten by Sakala. Ideally, Juranovic would have dealt with it, but yeah, regardless, I think it was a penalty, to, to be, unfortunately. Yeah. I think it was poor from Starfield to go to ground. You know, you, you run the risk of that happening, so uh, yeah, there you go. It was rash and extreme. Aye, I think, uh, as I say, it, I don't think he even comes across that far if it wasn't for the fact that Juranovic yeah, yeah, yeah. so badly. But at that point, what's the harm in jockeying him? He was at, he, I know I'm saying Starfield thought he was going to shoot. I think that is what he thought he was going to do. And I think he was sliding in for a block rather than an actual tackle. But he was also essentially running a straight line towards a byline, Sakala. So again, a wee bit of yeah. wherewithal there maybe tells you, although you're trying to cover for your, for your mate, you don't necessarily need to go to ground to do so. Um, and then, aye, I th as I say, I think he checks back, still in control of the ball. Starfield takes his sliding foot. So I wasn't really, I never really had much to, to flick up about that one. I do think it was just a careless, a careless uh, penalty concession. The second one, however, Tony, I do have an IFAB slide <laughs> for you for. Um, Please uh, flick it up, Sean, and uh, enhance yeah. my knowledge of the handball. It's the, uh, same, it's the same slide I've put up about nine times this season already. To be honest, um, <laughs> aye, the Goldson incident, as we'll call it, I think, uh, I th again, I think this was a penalty, aye. Uh, not every incidence of a ball hitting a hand is a handball, of course, we know that. Uh, but this one, to my eye, meets both the first and the second criteria. They're not just one of them, both of them. Uh, the first one, deliberately handling it, giving both his hands are up in a, almost a reflex save motion. Uh, the second one, the unnaturally bigger thing, because despite a couple of still images going about suggesting that his hands were in at his chest, the reflex save part of it was made with his hands actively moving up past his head in a saving motion for me. So, aye, the fact that there was a check and it was deemed not an offence and not one worthy of the actual referee checking, it's outrageous, Tony, to be honest. Yeah. It, was an, it was an outrageous sequence of events for me. I think it just adds to the confusion, uh, Aidan, in the fog. 
surrounding VAR. And let's not kid yourself, it adds to the suspicion as well of supporters. I mean, you know, questioning referees. Yeah, it was a really poor decision. I mean, it's really the first time that I've seen that. I thought it was a penalty, to be honest. Never mind the yeah. the multiple angles that well that John Beaton decided not to look at. It was a yeah, it was a it was a poor decision that uh, ultimately could have cost Celtic a point. But you can say that if that goes, and obviously the given they got an equaliser later on, that could have then been a winning goal. So you could say it was involved in potentially costing them three points, but. Even though I didn't think we deserved to win the game, but that's by the way, it doesn't matter. Regardless of the score, the referee should be making the correct decision. You can clearly see there with IFAB that it fell into that sort of category. I mean, it was, it was I think John Hartson said it on Twitter, he said it's something like a brilliant save from Connor Goldson. And uh, it's exactly what it was. It was a full on save from it was, yeah, it was a bizarre decision and really, really poor. One of the potentially worse. Yeah, I think it is worse than the Forest one at Tyne Castle, to be honest. Yeah. Sean, just... there's a moment in the game where I think beaten, you can lip sync and he says something like, <laughs> it's not up to me. Is that right? I don't know because I don't it, like getting it, any lip syncing because I might get it yeah. wrong. Uh, same with the Greg Taylor incident. I don't want to accuse him of saying something he might not have said. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. And again, it comes back to the, the kind of lack of transparency and clarity about why things are made and I'll come back to it again Tony I know this wasn't in the last two minutes but I don't I don't literally mean it has to be in the last two minutes to get a report but that basketball thing I come back to it again just yeah. how much use it would be if not even in the immediate aftermath but today say later on the day even tomorrow that after the, after the referees have submitted the report in which the superiors need to be made aware of why they've made decisions and stuff anyway you, you have a public released one it's just it makes sense to me. You don't have to. It's not asking them to walk right out into the cameras right immediately after it. Yeah. Because they might actually come out and say, "Listen, I actually got that one wrong." Yeah. Um Doubtful, but they might. <laughs> um, uh, it's I, just I mean, that, that that seems to me a simple way to clear it up. What did you yeah. What did you What did you think you seen? What, did, what way did you apply those rules? That's and it gives them a, an opportunity to actually set it down rather than having to come out in the heat of the moment after it as well. So I said this off air, but. If that's not a penalty, then the ball is well and truly burst, isn't it, gentlemen? Uh, it really is. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, you look at those two criteria, the first two criteria there, it doesn't just meet one of them, it meets both of them, Sean. Mm-hmm. As you said, flick up the rules. So, and that that's, I mean, because, because we've been flicking them up every other week, we're now well versed on the rules, aren't we? So we could, we could recite this IFAB, the first two, Certainly, you know, so and and in real time, I thought it was a penalty, there was no dubiety. I thought in real time, so I, I, I couldn't for the life of me understand why he didn't even go to the monitor and check it or why VAR official Willie Collum has deemed that he's obviously said it's not a clear and obvious error or whatever, yeah. but I just again, it, it's, it's it was, it was outrageous, wasn't it? outrageous decision, uh, you know, me. and uh, I think, uh, and again. As you say, until they're allowed to explain what they saw or what they didn't see or or why he, he wasn't directed to a monitor or what will they call him and say in his ear, then it's just going to add to the confusion and the finger-pointing of officials, Aiden. And it is, uh, I agree with you, Sean, I think. It's inexplicable and it is outrageous. It's a, it's a shocking decision. Absolutely shocking, Aiden. What do you think of that? Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think it is worse than that uh, Forest one. Uh, yeah, Tynecastle. at Tynecastle, which before now, despite that being the first game, was, well, to be fair, no Celtic had a few kind of harsh ones against them as well, but in terms of something that could have been a penalty for Celtic, that's definitely been, in my opinion, the worst one so far before the, the game against Rangers yesterday. Yeah, it was just such a bizarre. And every, and every time you see a different camera angle or an image, it just looks worse and worse and you know, if Beaton isn't seeing it, then that's when the VAR should be stepping in, or the, the official, sorry, in the VAR should be stepping in and saying, yeah, either it's clearly a penalty or we think it may be, so you need to go and have a look at it. So, yeah, the whole thing was bizarre and just, yeah. Isn't that what VAR was brought in to do, Sean, to clear these situations up? It should be, aye. It should be. And in terms of VAR protocol, when it comes to things like that, that that's what we were told at the start of the season. It's for, like, Clearing obvious errors, serious missed incidents, goals or no goals, penalties, no penalties, 
is it a red card but not a yellow? That kind of thing, you can't do it for a yellow card. It's got to be a direct red. Mistaken identity for ref, which is the only one I think we've not seen so far. Ref sending somebody else off instead of the, the guy that it was um, making a, a, an offence. But, I mean, IFAB again says it, that the referee must make a decision and says explicitly in their, their VAR protocols, i.e. the referee is not permitted to abdicate that decision and use the VAR to make the decision. The yeah. VAR's got to inform his decision rather than making it for him. And um, again, without knowing exactly what the communication was, you can't say for sure that, that John Beaton abdicated responsibility because ultimately he's the one blowing a whistle and saying, no, it's play on. So the assumption is it is his decision. But nonetheless, uh, the other assumption that you need to make is that Willie Collum has been saying that there is a check and either there is no infringement, which I've just said, I think he, he meets two criteria for, for there being an infringement, not just one and certainly not none. Um, or that there was no clear and obvious error, but neither of those really measures up when the error would have been a penalty. So, again, it's just the, the absolute dubiety, as you say, that, that, um, that yeah. just encourages all this because it, 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 there's no transparency whatsoever with it. And it infuriates everybody, doesn't it? The self supporters are left there infuriated because they. But this way, if you met anybody else yet that doesn't think, and I've seen Willie Collum, or uh, not Willie Collum, sorry, I've seen the. Uh, I think it was Tam Cowan uh, putting up. He'd asked a senior ref saying it, and he replied saying it wasn't a wasn't yeah. a penalty because of the way that the, the his hands were whatever, right? Um, but apart from that, have you seen anybody saying that no. they're surprised that that uh, was even a debate? Because I mean, Barry Ferguson <laughs> after it was even saying, no, they've got away with that one. Uh, the pundits on Sky, BBC, they all. I mean, everybody seemed to think it was a penalty except the the VAR officials. <laughs> And again, can everybody be wrong? I mean, if everybody in football, involved in football, thinks it's a penalty, then what, what's Willie Collum seen that that's not a penalty? That and that's that would that's what would help some form of explanation, as you say, Sean. But mm. it just leaves that grey area, fog and mist, and infuriates fans and managers and players. And and Ange wasn't even asked about it yesterday. For the simple reason is he, he said the other week that he's not going to talk about VAR again. But surely he should have been asked if he thought his team deserved a penalty. Not I mean, I, I would have I would have asked him that, Aidan. Do you not think so? Just to get his thoughts on the actual incident, not not the what VAR deemed it, it was or it wasn't. But I mean I'd like to hear him say if he thought it was a, a handball or not. Yeah, I think he probably should have been asked about it. I'm surprised between, like, you know, BBC and Sky uh, that the, there wasn't one person that asked him, but Andy's presser as well. But yeah, it was. I know, I know he has mentioned before he doesn't want to speak about VAR, but I would have thought with that individual instant there would have been something worth asking. But yes. But I know you've been asking about the VAR decision, just the actual incident itself. Yeah, the, the penalty, yeah. What, what, what he saw. He, he should have been asked him. Somebody should have asked him because he would have liked to have seen his thoughts. But yeah, it's just another really bizarre decision. And just adding to the list, uh, since the technology was introduced across the Scottish football, across the top flight, I should say, there's just been so many b bizarre decisions. And I know we've came on and said it plenty of times that the fact that there's not sort of any explanation that the referee or governing body need to give for any of these sort of decisions that have happened to any of the teams is. It just uh, as another thing that I know it's never been done before, but uh, you would have thought there was a time for them to change that. It would have been when they were bringing VAR in, having you know try to like move football on, etc. But yeah, it's just I would have liked to actually have found out what why Willie Cohen thought that wasn't uh, a penalty. To be honest, just I mean, there's, there's, do you remember I was saying last? I can't remember what incident it was. Uh, can't remember off the top of my head. There's been so many, but. Uh, that uh, there's like a facts question, uh, FAQs, like facts, freaking last questions yeah. at the bottom yeah. of the IFAB rules and stuff like that. And one of them, remember, I read one of them out before, but it was an incident and it was basically player A, player B, all that kind yeah. of thing. There's one of those for, for that where somebody takes a powerful shot. And that's the only thing I can see where sort of a referee might think, well, that almost absolves Connor Goldson's arm position. And it's something along the lines of like an attacker takes a shot, a defender's quite close puts their hands in front of their face as a reflex action to protect their face and the ball hits their hands and the referee should let play continue. 
But I don't think that applies to that because when it hits his hands, it's above his face. It's not to protect his face. It's above his face. And again, was that a powerful shot? It's a scuff. It was going miles over. Do you know what I mean? So again, I don't think that that really uh, no. that really changed with it. So uh, it doesn't cover it, to be honest. But we we will never know. Always. So only Willie Collum knows, and John Beaton knows why. That was never a penalty yesterday, but hey, at least there wasn't too much damage inflicted on on Celtic. They went up the park and got an equaliser from Kyogo, 16 for the season. That's the, the positive that they take out of it. Celtic were below par, but they still managed to dredge up a draw, Sean, which is yep. in their DNA really, isn't it? They just they just keep going. I mean, it's uh, as I alluded to earlier, the positive for it for me was that I still felt that the game wasn't beyond them, even as poorly as they were playing. And, I agree. You mm. know, and I uh, <clears throat> when they scored, it didn't really surprise me, to be fair. And I don't think it would surprise a lot of Celtic supporters, Sean. That they got no, I don't think it did. No, I think uh, as I was supposed to call, said after it, it, it <clears throat> it's happened before. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's uh, it's not the first time that they've scored near the end of a game. To usually it's to win, but uh, this time to get a to get a draw, and it won't be the last time either. There, there's something about that team. You called it robotic, even though obviously yes. as the Coglu says after it, they're human beings. They're not robots. You're saying well, there is something a bit robotic about how often they do score late goals. So you weren't actually that surprised that they did it. Uh, they did it again. So yeah. uh, that that's the main takeaway. Despite yeah. everything we've talked about today, um, whether it's officiating, whether it was team selection, subs. Uh, individual performances ultimately despite every bit of that Celtic went to Ibrox went 2-1 down a couple of minutes left and didn't lose and are still 9 points clear with plus 20 goal difference um, as you said in your your uh, post-match big game verdict Tony it was not the result they were wanting but it's a much bigger point for Celtic than it is for uh, than it is for Rangers they had to win and they didn't yeah and my use of the word robotic, Aiden, was because it's programmed into Celtic to keep going and to just score at the end. It's just, it's in their DNA. And we were talking about the identity yesterday. And whilst they kind of, they didn't lose their identity yesterday, basically, because they just kept going. And that mantle of, you know, it's, it ain't over till it's over. And it got them over the line in terms of getting a point. And as Sean says, they're still nine clear, 20. Uh, goals of a goal difference and you know that's the silver lining from it all on a day when the manager said they could have chucked it and said it's not their day, felt sorry for themselves go back home, lick their wounds you know, game on in the title race again they just refused to buckle again which is why I said it's a form of robotics because they just, <laughs> right let's do it we know the situation let's rescue it yeah, it's a brilliant trade to have that when you are getting beat or it's a, a tight game to either go on and win or get a draw that you, you never think you're out of it until the match is done. And obviously we've seen so many times this season late goals. I mean, I, I did an article on it recently, sort of breaking down all the late goals in the league this season. Yakimakis against St. Johnson, uh, Taylor against Hearts, the, the two goals against Dundee United. I know they were all to get victories, but you know that was a big point for Celtic given the circumstances. I know before the game we were hoping for a victory, but the way it was going, that was a massive point and it could be, as much as maybe the performance isn't one you'll look back on as a classic, it could be a, a result you'll look back on at the end of the season and go, yeah, that was a really, really important point to get on the board. That was a really, that was a moment where it really started to solidify that there's a really good chance here to win the league this season. So, yeah, I, I, it's a good trait to have, Tony, that you're able to score late and you're never out of a game until it's done because... That is really the mark of champions, and it's been a thing since Andrews came in, going all yep. the way back to like you know Anthony Ralston scoring up at Dingwall last season, etc. So, yeah, no, it's definitely a positive aspect. That that's what the team's got. It's a fair comment, Sean, from Tim and on there, isn't it? Yep, we won't play poorer. They won't play any better, and still couldn't beat us. Good mentality from Celtic. There's also a good comment here um, from Manchester Morgan, um, which is a it's always sunny in Philadelphia reference for anybody else that watches it. Uh, Derby games under Ange Postecoglou fall into two categories. Either Celtic romp to victory or it's a close contest that could have gone either way. And he points out that Rangers haven't once beaten Celtic comfortably under Ange. And I, I agree with that. I think that's, that is a fair summation of the Derby's under Ange Postecoglou so far. Yeah. 
yeah, long may that continue, Sean. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think, uh, and I think that is the positive about Celtic that they're still men clearing. You know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, you could have felt. You know, mm. we could be talking about a totally different game this morning, a totally different outcome, and ruining the the penalty handball that John Beaton and VAR, well, they call him, and VAR denied them and being really upset and on edge about that, but we aren't. And fair credit to the, the team as well. And if there is, or there was, the flu bug that Angela alluded to that affected a lot of them and it was an extenuating circumstances, then I, I think Celtic have done well to get a point out of that, Sean. Yep. Aye. Again, that, that's going to be the big takeaway for me. Um, when you look at the league table, three days into the, the new year, it says exactly the same as what it said before the new year, except there's one fewer game to play. So, I yeah. you take it. And one fewer game against your closest rivals Yep, for the title. So, I think uh, that's a nice positive way to end it, isn't it, Aidan? Yep, definitely. Uh, nine points clear in the new year. Can't argue with it. We've been quite happy with that at the end of the season, never mind the third of January. So, definitely. Correct. Correct. Well, guys, that's 50-odd minutes. Quite yep. tough. That's been a, a decent dissection of yesterday's events. Not the results Celtic wanted, but sometimes you can't always get what you want. Is that what they say, Sean? But you get what you need. Isn't that right? <laughs> sure, I recognise that from somewhere, Mr. Jagger. A famous song, yes, indeed. Now I'll just direct everybody to the if bottom. You're, if you're Jagger and I'm Richard, does that make him Keith, Keith, <laughs> uh, Keith Moon? Sorry. I don't know with my dodgy hip I don't think I move like Jagger anymore you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there you have it uh, anyway guys you know what I'm going to say thank you to everybody that subscribed to the the website and everything yeah. that we do thank you to all the commenters and we enjoy the, the community that we've built here and the contributors as well guys thanks for your comments but if you subscribe to the Celtic Wave I've got one of two deals going for you you can either a pound for two months of access to everything that's written on the website, some wonderful stuff there, some great articles on, on yesterday's events. You can have a read at them. It'll cost you a pound for two months, or you can have 25% off the yearly price. That takes it down to a wonderful 26 quid, all for the click of a button, guys. You know what I'm going to say, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Click the button, like many of you have already done, and we thank you for that. Not the Derby Day result you wanted, but no real damage done. Hope you have a wonderful Tuesday. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yep. Have a cracking Tuesday, guys, and we'll be back to do it all again tomorrow, won't we? Yep. Indeed. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Aidan. Cheers.